I found a story of uh, two young boys. One was four, one was six. And they had saved their money because they wanted to buy their mommy a gift. And so they saved their money up and they went to the florist and they brought her back a really nice potted plant. Mom was so excited. She was, thought that was the best thing ever because they had saved their money just to buy this for her. About that time, the six-year-old piped up and he said, Mom, he was not, look, he was not real, looking real happy. And she said, what's wrong? He said, well, I want you to know that there was, when we was at the florist, they had this, this bouquet of flowers. It was so pretty. And we wanted to get that for you, but it was cost too much. And you know, it had a really pretty ribbon on it. She said, it did. He said, yeah. And it said, rest in peace. <laughs> I said, Mom, we knew how much you said you wished that we'd get, give you just a little peace <laughs> so you could rest. <laughs> you know, we only need to open up the newspaper, turn on the TV, and realize that there are not enough peacemakers in this world. Man is continually striving against his fellow man. Anger, bitterness, envy, selfishness, and hatred are just a few of the reasons there are murders every day and constant war. Someone has said that out of the last 4,000 years, there has only been 300 years of peace. Even those, that, even the ones who came up with that statistic say that, you know, you're not real sure that there wasn't some skirmishes somewhere in the world that would have reduced the amount of peaceful time. But it seems that, because it seems like we are always at war. And Jesus said, you know, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars. Nations will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. He was talking about end times. But he's also talking about, he was also pointing out, you know, don't be so uh, uh, surprised when you see these kind of things. This has been going on since the beginning. There's always been the lack of peace in the human heart. Jesus knew that this problem would persist, persist and it would still return after generation after generation. Man has no solution for war. We have no real solution for war. And what do you think that is? I mean, it's not the weapons. And it's not the violence. You know why? Because we are the instruments of destruction. Jesus told his disciples 
that you have to work at being a peacemaker. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts. Sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils that cause disruption and hate in the world come from inside and make us unclean. I want us to go to the next of the Beatitudes that we got on the Sermon on the Mount in the, this series where we're learning to live the heart of the King. And we're going to look at verse 9 this morning. Would you please stand? Verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Say it with me. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. This is the Word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. You know, we often, when you see this stuff on the news, when you look in the newspaper, we always always have to wonder a little bit, what what can we do? How can we resolve this? Why can't we have peace? Well, one reason is, let's talk about that, because for a a solution to be effective, in any situation like that, in any skirmish, in any argument, in any relationship, in any fight against country against country, the solution is, To be effective, there must be change within us. There has to be change within us. Or the peace doesn't happen. We don't have any interest in it. Unless it comes from within us. So let's look just a minute at some characteristics of being a peacemaker. Regardless of whether regardless of whether it made any sense to Jews of Jesus' time, or whether it makes any sense for us today, the call of Jesus is for us to be a peacemaker. Working for and following after peace is a distinguishing mark of those who are true followers of the Prince of of peace. Jesus is standing on that mountain. He's giving them, you know, I'm telling you, you know, these are the things that you need to work on. These are the things that you're called to be. And you're going to be blessed if you do them. And one of them is, you need to be a peacemaker. Even the Jews couldn't get along with each other. There was, there was arguments always between them. Between the different sects. It between, between all the people of that time and today, my goodness, you probably can't go into work that you don't have a disagreement with somebody. I mean, let's face it. It's always there, right? 
And that's not going to change. Again, go back unless the solution comes from within us. Unless it's the change has happened in us. But a characteristic of a peacemaker is that we have knowledge of, the, of peace from an inwardly position. Okay, it goes back to that. You can't, we can't have a solution unless we change from within. So one of the characteristics of a peacemaker is that they know. You know when you talk to them. And you know this person a, is a peacemaker. You know that it comes from within, right? I mean, have, you've known, I know you've known people who, in their lives, it seemed like they were always a peacemaker. They were always bringing people together. They were always doing everything they could to resolve the problem. But you knew that that person had the ability to do that because it came, it came from inside them. It was something that they had a passion for. Jesus is saying, you know, if you're going to be a peacemaker, you've all got to have this characteristic in you to be a peacemaker. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. God sent us Jesus Christ so that we might be able to experience that inner peace. The Jews back then, before Jesus came, they didn't have that. They, couldn't have, they were always just kept stirred up by the Pharisees and all the, in a way that they had perverted the law to keep them stirred up, to keep them under control. They didn't know peace. They didn't know inner, inward peace. But we have the opportunity. We have the privilege to know what that inward peace is because we have Jesus Christ. He has taught us, guided us, led us, helped us, died for us, all so that we could have this inward peace. We have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Remember that. That's number one. That's number one. Let's look at Ephesians 2, 13 and 14. That says, but now in Christ Jesus, you you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace. He himself is our peace. Who has made the two groups of uh, one and has destroyed the barrier. The dividing wall of hostility. You know, Jesus came. I know you've seen this, this, this graphic, this model of how God's on one side of this great, great, ca this great place that just, there's a cliff on one side and a cliff on the other, and there's no bottom to what's in between. And God's on one side, and man's on the other side. And we, we are separated by this great cavern of sin that keeps us from being with God. When Jesus came... To be our peacemaker. He came to be the give us peace. So we could have that inner peace. And he bridged that great cavern of sin. So that we can cross. And we can be with God forever. That we could have and experience that inward peace. 
Look at Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God. The peace of God. Which transcends all understanding. In other words, his peace is so great. You haven't experienced that kind of peace yet. Now, you may be a bit of time where you were greatly satisfied for something or you in a situation you were in, and you may think you've got real peace, and you've got peace, but you don't understand at all because it's beyond your capability to understand God's peace. It's above everything. And I'm telling you, I can't wait to experience that kind of that kind of peace and the kind of joy that that kind of peace brings. And we're going to get that one day. Amen? And we're going to get that one day. And the place and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. God promises us that kind of peace. He promises us that. That's not just a fable. It's, it's not just a maybe or, or if or anything like that. It's ours. Because of Jesus Christ, because we believe in Jesus Christ, we've accepted Jesus Christ, that kind of peace is ours. It's ours. In Philippians 4, 7, in the peace of God which transcends all understanding. Remember that. Remember that. You're going to experience peace throughout your life, but it's not going to be the great peace of God that you can look forward to that one day when you're standing in heaven with Him. And then out of Colossians 3.15, it says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, we were called to peace and be thankful. Paul's saying, you know, let this, let this peace of Christ, this, this tremendous peace that Christ brought us. That, and and he's, telling, he's telling the, the, the church in Colossians, Colossa that, that, look, until Jesus came, until Jesus did what he did for us, you did not, were not able to go through that door that gave you the great peace of Jesus Christ, of, of God. So let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And we are so bad about that. We are so bad about that. We, we, we disrupt the peace in our life more than anybody else outside our life does. Because we degrade it. Because we ignore it. Because we don't think, we don't think, give it any value in our life. But the peace of Christ, you let it rest upon you. You let it rest in your life. You anoint, you ask God to anoint you with that peace every day. And live in the peace of Christ. Let it rule in your hearts. You know what the word rule means, right? Take control. Let it rule in your hearts. And that's what we've got to do. Now, peacemakers, peacemakers, just don't instantly get peace, right? I mean, yeah, we can pray for peace, 
We can pray for all kinds of peace. But do we get it like that? Well, let me tell you another characteristic of a peacemaker. A peacemaker has to plant the seeds of peace. God wants you to have peace. But sometimes we just don't, we don't, we just don't have the peace that we, we need to have because we don't plant the seeds. There's a story of a, of a woman who was, she, she wants peace. She wanted so peace so bad in, 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 the, in her life, in the world, that she got completely dis- depressed, often depressed, because of she couldn't understand why people didn't want this peace. And how, you know, what could, why can't we have this peace, Lord? And she would pray for peace. And she happened to be in this, this mall one day, and she saw this great store. And she walked past the store and she stopped and she thought a minute and said, well, that looked like Jesus in there. Uh, you know, if I was to envision anybody that looked like Jesus, it would have been that man behind the counter. So she walked in and she's looking around and she's finally got the nerve. And he said, sir, are, are you Jesus? And he looked at her and she says, I am. He says, do you work here? No, I own the store, he said. Oh, what do you sell? He said, I sell just about everything. Jesus said, feel free to walk up and down all the aisles, make a list of what you want, and and when you get through, come back up here and talk to me. She did just that. She walked up and down the aisles. There was peace on earth. There was no more war. There was hunger. There was no hunger or poverty. Peace in the families. No more drugs. All these things were on these, on these always in the, on these counters. And she made a list and she went back up and she said, "This is what I'd like." He said, "Okay." So he got down behind the counter and he came up with this big handful of packets of seeds. He said, here you go. She said, but these are seeds. She said, you mean I don't get the finished product? He said, no, this is a place of dreams. You come and see what it looks like. And I give you the seeds. You must plant the seeds. You go home and nurture them and help them to grow. And someone else reaps the benefits. The lady looked at him, turned around and walked out. She didn't buy anything. How often do we do that in our life? Because we don't get the the finished product when we pray. We tend to just ignore it and walk away and say, well, I guess God doesn't want me to have that. God's going to help you get it, but you've got to be willing to plant seeds. If you're going to be a peacemaker, that's what we have to do. We have to plant those seeds to be a, a peacemaker. God calls us to be peacemakers, not peacekeepers. Peacemakers, not peace, 
not peacekeepers. You know, I want you to think about a bridge for a minute. How good is a bridge if it's got a great foundation and, fixed and, 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 and built on one side, but on the other side it's not got a good foundation or it's not attached to the other side? What happens? It collapses, doesn't it? It don't work. We are called, a peacemaker, a characteristic, is that we are called to be bridge builders. We are called to be those bridge, and to build bridges where bridges are needed. Now, you say, well, where would that be? Well, all right, let's just start in your own personal life. Let's start to talk about maybe somebody in your family or a friend you've got, and you know that they've got disruption in their lives. You know that there's something's going on and there's no peace. You are called to be a bridge builder, to plant the seed. You know what an argument is? It's two right people. (laughs) Think about it. It's two right people. And the only way sometimes that that stuff, an argument, that kind of thing going on between family members or friends is to realize that we both can't be right, or can we? You have to become a counselor. You have to become that person who builds that bridge between two people or a person in their family or two between two families, whatever the case may be, we are called to build that bridge, to plant that seed. As a peacemaker, we are to nurture the process of reconciliation. I'd like to look at Matthew 18, 15 through 17. Matthew 18, 15 through 17. Listen to it. It said, Patience. Patience. If your brother sins, and you've heard this before, if he sins, patience, go, go and reprove him in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he does not listen, take one or two more with you and go so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. And if he refuses to listen, then tell it to the church. Now that sounds hard. You think that's hard? Yeah, it would be hard. You ever had to go to somebody that you really care a lot about and tell them that they were wrong? You ever had to do that? Have you ever had to stand in the mirror and tell yourself that you were wrong? Sometimes it takes that. But God calls us to, to work with each other, to brothers and sisters, and to hold each other accountable. That that's how we are peacemakers. To walk into, did you know? Did you hear what you said? Did you really hear what you said? And you tell them. You just repeat it to them. And sometimes, a lot of times, 
that person will go, I didn't say that. Oh, but you did. Oh, but you did. You know, words, once they go out, you can't, you can't get them back. They're out there, but you've got to do something now to bring about reconciliation. You've got to do something to help that person to reconcile with that other person or with that other group or to reconcile with themselves. You've got to plant the seed. We've got to be biblical peacemakers. And there are so many verses in the Bible about what we should do as peacemakers. I should have made you another list like I did last week so you had something to study. But there's, there's so many different things that we need to meet. There's verses that tell us about, you know, if you desire to be a peacemaker, to see brethren dwelling together in unity. And then there's all kinds, all kinds of Scripture about unity and what we have to do to maintain that unity or to build that unity. That's being a peacemaker. And then... We, we, get, we hear this, while peace is the ultimate goal, you, that's what we want. The biblical peacemaker does not seek to achieve that goal by sacrificing truth. Or compromising principle. Or forsaking duty. And there's tons of verses about that. We receive peace in Christ. We receive peace in Christ so that we can take peace to other people. Okay? Yes, God wants you to have peace in your life. But the main reason He gives you this peace is so that you can take and use it for somebody else. To to give that person peace, to grow peace in that person's life. That's where we're called to nurture the seed. To nurture what, we're do, what, what God's doing in another life. We're called to do that. The Great Commission commands us to make more disciples. Our mission is to love God, love others, and share Jesus with everyone. Would you say amen to that? We witness and share him with other people so that they may be at peace with God. We are Christ's ambassadors of peace. If we do this right, we do this the right way, then we have peace. Let's look at John 1. Go to the 12th verse of John 1. It says, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. It's an act of receiving. It's an act of taking in. Jesus Christ. And when we do that, we become children of God. Now, doesn't that sound good? 
I mean, if I don't send chills up, if you stay, stay and, and meditate on that and read it again tonight or do something like that, and you look and really meditate on what it means, I guarantee you're going to get a chill up your spine. I'm a child of God. I am a child of God. A peacemaker is not someone who wants peace at all costs. Remember that. It's not someone who wants peace at, at all costs. A peacemaker knows their peace comes from a loving, merciful, and forgiving God. It comes from God, not from you, right? Remember that. It comes from a merciful and a loving and a forgiving God. God that gave His Son Jesus on the cross to bring peace to all who accepts Him. A peacemaker is one that lives and communicates the message of peace in Jesus Christ day in and day out. You've known people like that. You've known people who you've had in your life and been around them, and all they, it, it's just like it just oozes out of them. Surely, I know you've been there. I've seen, I see some smiles. And you've already got that person in your mind right now. And it's that person who has accepted and feels the love of Christ. Knows what it means to forgive like Christ. To be merciful like Christ. All these, by the way, are in the Beatitudes, right? You remember how we talked about them being linked? We're all leading, we're leading, it's leading up to the fact that, you know, if you're doing these things now, now you've got the equipment. Now you can go out and you can be a peacemaker. And that's what you've got to do. That's what we have to do. Why? Because we know peace is not found anywhere else but except in God. Are you ready? To become a peacemaker today, you begin that process by accepting the peacemaker, Jesus Christ. Jesus was the great peacemaker because he brought us peace in this world, he gave us peace. Otherwise, we would struggle and we would fight with sin and Satan every day. We do probably anyway. But we would be fighting it because we'd be doing it without any hope. Jesus is the one that came and gave us that hope. He is the true peacemaker. If you didn't catch what I just said, that means that we, we are to take Jesus' hope and to give it to other people. Otherwise, They'll never understand the benefits of peace and being a peacemaker. You want to do it the right way so that they, in turn, want to turn and give it to somebody else. Christ came that we might live for Him, that we might Keep Him in the center of our life. And He gave us this great fellowship here 
that we might remember what He did for us. He came that we might live. He came and sacrificed that we might live. He died, He was buried, and He rose from the dead. He resurrected by God, the Father, who brought Him out of the grave so that we might have that same eternal benefit of living with God and we don't have to experience death because of the sin that we carry in our body with no hope. But we have hope because of Jesus Christ. He wanted us to remember that, that we have that hope. Let us pray. Jesus, we just thank you for this time together that we can gather, Father, uh, around this table to, in fellowship to celebrate, Father, the great peace that you brought to us, the great love that you showed us, the great payment that you made for us. And you did it all for us, for each of us, for everyone in the world you died. But some don't listen, some have never heard, some have ignored. Father, help us to be the disciples that we are called to be. Help us to go into the world. Help us to go, Father, there and, and bring them closer to You so that they may feel Your peace, know Your hope, and know Your love. And through this fellowship, Father, we pray that we may be able to convey that in our own lives and to other people. And we thank you, Father, for these elements. We thank you, Father, that in these elements we, we see how your body was given for us that we might know, Father, that you did sacrifice for us on that cross. How your blood was shed, Father, that 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 would seal our covenant of eternity with you in heaven. We thank you for that. We thank you for that. We thank you for this table. For it's in Christ's name. Amen.